0: Would you pray with you, Pastor, a minute? Lord, it's been a great morning. Thank you for miracles. Thank you that we live in a day where you still show up and you still show out. And if you do watch over the sparrow, how much more do you watch over us? Even in our pain and our struggles, our addictions. Oh, how you love us. So, Father, on this first Sunday of a new year, I pray that the resolutions that we made in the last few days, that we'll stick to our guns, and we'll have help from above, and we will be overcomers, champions, more than conquerors. And, Father, one of the ways that we can do that is understanding the power of forgiveness. So, Father, these next few moments, I pray that you would just tune our hearts in to the Word and let us be changed forever. And we pray this now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Greg. Appreciate that testimony from Brother Waysen, and I appreciate the testimonies that you shared with your pastor in 2018. And part of what we are going to strive to do over these next few weeks is to give us some tools, give us some spiritual armament, if you will, to be able to be the men and women of God in 2019 that we sometimes struggle to be in 2018. So we're talking about a new year and a new you, and we're going to focus today on something that all of us can relate to, from forgiven to forgiving. Now, because I've been your pastor now a little over three years, I am familiar with some of your stories. So I have to be honest with you that when I was studying and when I was preparing and I was pulling together for the Chimes article and to get my information to Miss Sue and to sort of give me some direction for the month of January, I thought of some of your stories. Where some of us have been, how we've been hurt, how we were the recipient of criticism and harsh words, even actions against our person that we have lived our life thinking, there is no way I can forgive my loved one. There's no way I can forgive my friend. There's no way I can forgive my fellow church member. I want to tell you that there is a way, and the way is Jesus. If you have your Bibles, your smartphone, your iPad, or your Kindle, I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. This is going to be our thesis, if you will, And we begin here, and we're going to build on it through the next 25 minutes or so. It's a familiar passage of Scripture that Paul was writing to the church at Ephesus that I think he also was writing to the First Baptist Church of Athens. The Bible says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up. I played football and baseball at West Limestone High School a number of years ago, and The coaches that I had then were were wonderful men. Uh, Some of them were saved, some of them were not, but most of them understood rightly that I would give my very best at all times with individuals that were willing to build me up. Now, I didn't mind a coach getting in my face and telling me what I did wrong as long as it was followed up with a building up. You can do this, son. And my whole life now when I'm out in the yard playing with Zeke and we just got through putting up a new basketball goal in our in our yard and Zeke has gotten me out there and already beaten me three times one-on-one and oh just having a good time but but even coaching my son and teaching my son building him up uh, showing him the error of his ways if he's not shooting correctly or swinging correctly or throwing a ball correctly but always building up as it fits the occasion Paul said that it may give grace to those who hear. Sometimes I stand before you as your pastor, and I have to preach on hard subjects. Subjects that I would rather skip over because I know somebody, some family that's going through that, and they're going to think I'm singling them out. But that's not how God's Word works. God's Word touches us all. It touches us all at points and places that I'm even unaware of as your pastor. I don't have a video camera set up at your house. I don't know what you're saying. I don't know what you're doing. But God does. Then he lays on the pastor's heart of what I'm supposed to share on any given Sunday or any given Wednesday. To give grace to those who will hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Verse 29 and 30 theologically go together. Because if you're a man or a woman or a teenager that uses corrupting talk, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not moving and working in your life if that's how you conduct yourself on an ongoing basis. So then Paul says, here's the answer. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And then this is what I'm going to talk about today. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. It's been a number of years ago, early in ministry. Joel, how can you forgive them for saying that? How can you forgive them for doing that in that business meeting? How can you forgive them? Because I've been forgiven. That's the only reason why. I'm just like you. I'm flesh and blood. My hackles come up sometimes too, just like yours does. But yet the Holy Spirit can help us and mature us and help us to get to a place that we keep very short accounts with other people. Because I'm so grateful that our Heavenly Father keeps short accounts with us. Oh, how many of us have struggled for years and decades with our unforgiveness turning into bitterness. And we're drinking the poison of that bitterness expecting them to die. But it never works that way, does it? No. We're the ones that's in prison. We're the ones that need to be set free. So a new year and a new you include several different ideas. And as we are into this sixth day of a new year, I think the first thing that we need to recognize is our relationship with Jesus. Many of you in this room are already saved. And to God be the glory that we gather together on any given Sunday morning and, and, and Wednesday morning and Wednesday night, men just praising God and singing his, his praises and preaching the word and teaching the word and all that's important. But there are some of us that have never experienced the new birth. The new birth in John 3 and 3 says that Jesus answered him Truly, truly, I say to you that unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Uh, I'll talk to anybody anywhere, and my favorite place right now to talk to folks about Jesus is at the gym. And I'll usually get on the elliptical or I'm on the treadmill, and somebody will come beside me, and they have no idea what they've done when they come and get beside me. Amen. So I begin to talk to them about the Lord. I invite them to church. I, it doesn't matter if they live in Madison, they live in Huntsville, or they live in Capshaw, they, they live out in the county somewhere. No, I, I'm, I'm telling them about Jesus and I'm inviting them to our church. And sometimes they'll tell me, well, I joined the church when I was so-and-so. I said, I don't care if you joined the church, are you saved? Uh, well, well, I got baptized. I said, I, it's important to be baptized, but when did you get saved? And a lot of times they'll be able to tell me, well, I got saved at this time. I got saved uh, when I was a little boy. I got saved when I was a little girl, and I'll rejoice with them. A lot of times people have no idea about the new birth. They think because mom and dad were a member at First Baptist, and they were a child here that they're a member at First Baptist, and they've never experienced a new birth. And when they die without Christ, they'll go to hell. That's why we got to keep preaching and keep singing and keep teaching the new birth that's found only in the person of Jesus Christ. But not only is it a new birth, it's a new creation. I love 2 Corinthians five seventeen It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. But you know what I've learned all these years that I've been a Christian? That the old, even though it's been passed away, still likes to raise up its ugly head sometimes. Still likes to try to remind me of my past or where I fumbled or where I flopped or where I failed. I know that many of you experience some of that. I've talked with some of you about that in counseling. Where you'll say, Brother Joel, I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm born again. But why does that old person, that person that I used to be, keep trying to come back? It's because we're going to deal with this sin nature to the very day that we receive a new body. But I'm looking forward to that day that I receive that new body. Well, we get a new birth. We get a new creation. But we also get a new life. 2019 could provide a new life for you. Notice on the screen with me in Romans chapter 6 and verse 4 the Bible says we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father we too might walk in the newness of life 2019 would be a great time to start walking in the newness of life instead of living our lives always carrying the dredge of our past and all of our past sin and all of our past failures How about today we choose that newness of life? A new birth, a new creation, a new life enables me to embrace a new year, 2019, with forgiveness, with passion, but also with hope. If you were here a year ago, in which many of you were, I shared a statement from an author. Her name was Michelle Nelson. And she wrote of these different types of forgiveness that you and I explore as we walk with God. First of all, it's called detached forgiveness. It's a reduction of negative feelings toward the offender, but no reconciliation. I forgive you, but I'm not going to hang out with you. I'm going to forgive you, but I still don't like you. Detached forgiveness, limited forgiveness, a reduction of negative feelings toward the offender, and the relationship is partially restored. No, you're not going to come to my house and put your feet under my kitchen table But I might hang out with you somewhere else, but I still don't trust you. And then lastly and most importantly, full forgiveness. That's what Jesus gives to us. That's what we should give to others. A total cessation of feelings, negative feelings toward the offender, and the relationship is fully restored. When Jesus Christ died on the cross of Calvary, when he rose again on the third day, we were restored unto God. Why? Because Jesus Christ took on our sin, our shame, our reproach. He gladly bore it so that you and I could be restored in fellowship with the Father. That's what forgiveness is about. Now, I know about this time in the sermon, some of us are thinking, but yeah, you hadn't done what I've done. You hadn't been where I've been. You hadn't got hurt the way that I've gotten hurt. I understand that. But if a new year is going to produce a new you, you must not look back. You must not look back. And speaking of looking back, I want you to turn to a familiar passage. If you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Genesis 19. Look on your Bible app, on your phone, Genesis 19. It's the story of Lot. And God had warned Lot and his family through some angels, I'm going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. You need to get out of town. Notice the scripture with me, beginning in verse 1. The two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, bowed himself with his face to the earth. Verse 13. For we are about to destroy this place because the outcry against its people has become great before the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. Verse 17. And as they brought them out, one said, escape for your life. Do not look back. Let me just hit the pause button. Do not look back. Some of us have been rescued, some of us have been restored, some of us have been reconciled, but we're still tempted to look back. That's why the angels are telling Lot and his family, don't you look back or stop anywhere in the valley, escape to the hills lest you be swept away. I don't know who this is a word for today, but you got to stop looking back. I said it at 8.30, I said it at 9.45, and I want to encourage you today, stop looking back. Verse 23, the sun had risen on the earth when Lot came to Zoar. Then the Lord rained on Sodom and Gomorrah sulfur and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And they overthrew those cities and all the valley and all the inhabitant of the cities and what grew on the ground. But Lot's wife behind him looked back and she became a pillar of salt. Now I'm not saying if you look back you're going to become a pillar of salt, but it could become something far worse. You become a bitter old man you could become a bitter old woman why because you keep looking back of all the wrong that's been done to you all the struggles that you have either self-inflicted or had inflicted upon you by someone else oh let me encourage you today and I think this is a word from the Lord friend I, I wrestle with God about this series I wanted to go a different direction on the first Sunday of the year and the Lord says no he or she is going to be there this Sunday they need this message. So here's some observations about Lot and his family. Lot and his family were told to leave wicked Sodom and not look back, even repeated again in Luke chapter 17, verse 32. Jesus is talking and says, hey, remember Lot's wife? She kept looking back. She turned into a pillar of salt. Unless you are looking back to learn, looking back is self-defeating. Now I can learn from my past. Mistakes that I've made, and hopefully I don't make those same mistakes again because I've looked back and I've learned from them. In fact, the only time you should ever look back is to see how far you've come. And I know many of you have come a long way. Way before I became your pastor, you got hurt a long time ago. And God has brought you in incremental steps forward to where you are even now. But 2019 is that breakthrough year. Can I hear an amen? Amen. This year, this time, this place is the breakthrough. You've wrestled all these decades. It's now time to be set free and to set that other individual free. In fact, looking back keeps you from being obedient. What are you talking about, Joel? Look on the screen with me, Luke chapter 9. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but let me first say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. I never used a plow, but I had a garden tiller. Amen. We had a little garden at Route 8, Box 264 on Harris Road. I finally got physically able enough to wrestle that that tiller and sort of keep it straight. But if I ever look back, man, I, I went crazy. I went all over that garden. And I would get into the turnip greens and the squash and all the other different things. And Dad would say, keep it straight. Keep it straight. you got to keep your eyes forward. Having no idea that that's what Jesus was talking about. You can't put your hand to the plow and look back and stay straight. And that's what some of us have been trying to do. We put our hand on the plow, but we keep looking back. And we're all over the map. We're making crazy decisions, decisions that we made similarly five years ago where we should have learned better because we should now know better, but we keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Why? Because you keep putting your hand to the play on looking back instead of looking forward. Oh, I pray that 2019 is a year that we will look forward. Would you be willing to make up your mind, maybe today, and say, my family and I, we're moving forward. You know, Paul talked about this in Philippians 3. He said, Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. Paul wrote these letters in the first century. He was greatly influenced by Roman athletes. And he would see them training. He would see them throwing the javelin. He would see them running in the races. And and the... Word image here in the Greek is, I press on toward the goal. I'm stretching toward the finish line. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. How am I able to do that? I forget what lies behind me. I forget what lies behind me, and I move forward. Some of us need to move forward in 2019. It's time. You've wrestled. You've thought it through. You've had your feelings hurt. But if you're going to live your whole life based on your feelings rather than what God's Word says, you'll always keep looking back. It's now time to look forward. How do I do it, Joel? Well, if 2019 is going to be different from 2018 or 2013 or 2009 or, for me, 1986, I must be willing to change. Change what? Well, change is difficult. Not changing is fatal. We got almost 48,000 Southern Baptist churches in our convention. Latest stats out of the Baptist Vatican in Nashville, Lifeway, they tell us that about 75 to 80% of Southern Baptist churches are plateaued or declining. Now, there's a reason they're unwilling to change. Change is difficult, but if you don't change, it's fatal. 3,000 churches a week die and shut their doors. Why? They're unwilling to change. We, as a people, we become irrelevant in our walk with Christ when we are unwilling to change. So let me give you this for 2019. If you don't remember anything else I say, that if you change nothing, nothing will change. Your 2019 will look like your 2018. That look like your 2017, that look like your are 2016. I'm not saying change the gospel. The gospel remains the same. It's written in stone. Everything else of methods is written in sand. How you got to be willing to do it? I got a friend of mine who lives in South Carolina. She's a big Clemson fan now. She's been harassing me on Facebook. Saying, who are you going to pull for? I said, what state do I live in? She says, but you're an Auburn fan. I said, but what state do I live in? Oh, just giving me a hard, hard time. But in some conversations, if Coach Saban hadn't been willing to change and realize he's got something special in the quarterback that he has, we may not have been having this conversation. You've got to be willing to change. I've always done it this way, and I've been successful in my past. Do you know success in your past will keep you from being successful in the future if you live back there? That's why you got to continually revolutionize what you do, what you say, what you read, and what you think if you're going to be effective in the days ahead, especially in 2019 and beyond. We all make resolutions. I don't know about you, but New Year's resolutions are, are, are good things. Sometimes we say, I'm going to lose some weight, um, I'm going to quit smoking, I'm going to fall in love, I'm going to spend less and save more. But notice this, resolutions can be motivation to change or disappointments to carry. Because what I'm being encouraged by what I hear from my church family and even my own personal family is that I can't do it alone. We need each other, but most of all, we need the Lord. We must have help. In fact, you cannot forgive without help. You will continue to look back without help. You will continue to fall short and be found wanting without help. All right, preacher, I'll bite. Where does my help come from? Turn your Bibles to Psalm 121, and I'm going to give you where your help comes from. The Bible says, I'll lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth, and he will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. That's where your help comes from. So, Pastor, are you saying that all these fumbles, flops, and failures of my past have been because I've tried to do it all on my own, partially, partially? But in the sovereignty of God, I want you to hear me out in this, sometimes God allows us to fail within the context of His will, never to hurt us or to harm us, but to teach us. And some of us, 2018 was a year of teaching. We didn't get our way a lot. A lot of times when the ball was on the ground, it didn't bounce our way. Struggles. My relationship didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to turn out. My finances didn't turn out the way that I wanted it to turn out. My my ball team didn't turn out the way that I wanted them to turn out. It just didn't go my way. Sometimes that's part of God's plan is to help us to mature in our faith, that we will trust him no matter what's going on in our lives or around our lives. So Let me give you some observations. First of all, the past is your lesson. Learn from it. The past is your lesson, but the present is your gift. Let me just hang out here for a moment. Zeke turned 13 just a few days ago. I got all nostalgic and I got to look at some pictures of when he was just a little boy. And I remember walking into the bedroom the other night and I said, Joe, where did this little boy go? She said, I know. I said, No, I'm being honest. Where did this little guy go? I mean, one day I'm calling to him upstairs, Zeke, come here. Okay, Daddy. The next day, hey, Zeke, come here. Okay, Daddy. I mean, it happens just like that. You know what I made up my mind to do in 2019? I'm going to live in the present a whole lot more. I'm going to enjoy my little girl. She's not going to grow up as fast as Zeke did. I'm going to enjoy the present. Brother David Green did a great job preaching last week. Ten years ago, I wouldn't dare miss the, first, the last Sunday of the year. But Zeke's birthday was right there, and I couldn't be in two places at the same time, and I chose my son instead of you. I'm going to do that a lot more in 2019. I'm going to live in the present because the present is a gift. The future is your motivation. Have some dreams. And hopefully over the next few weeks, I'm going to give you some tools, if you will, to help you have some smart goals as you look toward the future in your personal life, in your financial life, in your physical life. Hopefully we're going to do that. But I pray that these areas, your past, your present, and your future, you'll recognize there are some things that are just more important. So lastly, how do I forgive? Bottom line it. How do I forgive? Well, God gives to us what he demands from us. You see, the only way that I'm saved is that God gives to me what I do not have and could not create, which is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, the only way that I can forgive others the way God has forgiven me is to freely give to others what has been freely given to me, and that's forgiveness. You know why I can forgive Joe? Because God forgave me. You know the reason why Joe can forgive me? Because God forgave her, and he did it first. And because he forgives us of all our stuff, we should be able to forgive others of their stuff. I'm not talking about enabling people to be in sin. I'm simply talking about forgiveness and showing mercy and showing grace. I used this passage of Scripture probably 15 different sermons in 2018, and I'll do that again in 2019. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God does not disappoint me. I disappoint him. As much as I try not to, sometimes I disappoint Joe. Sometimes she disappoints me. Sometimes Zeke and or Danny will disappoint us. Sometimes we disappoint them. But listen to me. The same gospel that saved me can help me overcome the disappointment that's done to me. So the gospel that not only saves my soul and allows me to go to heaven is the same gospel that will help me once I'm disappointed to overcome that disappointment when you let me down or when I let you down. And beloved, it happens in marriages. It happens in parents to kids. It happens kids to parents. You see, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. The prisoner was me. Spiritual warfare is real. It happens all around us all the time. Satan devotes 168 hours a week trying to deceive you. Do you think you can maintain a renewed mind and a forgiving heart with a 10-minute glance at God's book once a day? No way. None of us are that strong. That's why 2019 needs to be a year of renewal in our love for God's Word. I was even convicted of this. The last couple of months of 2018, I read several books, but they were not the Bible I was reading books about the Bible from an academic side, and the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and said, you need to be reading the Word more. And I have adapted to that particular admonition from the Father. It took Israel 40 years to make a journey that should have taken 40 days. Sometimes we too wander around in circles, never going anywhere in this self-imposed wilderness because we do not learn what God wants to teach us. Some of you had something happen to you 10 years ago that should have been taken care of in 30 days, but you're now still in it 10 years later because you're still in the wilderness, because you're still making the same mistakes. You had not yet learned the lesson. I counsel with people all the time, and I'll sit down, and I'll listen to their story, and I'll say, well, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. They get up, say thank you, and they walk out, and they do exactly what they want to do, and they stay in the wilderness. That's what the children of Israel did, and they did it for 40 years years a whole generation had to die before they could finally make it into the promised land beloved please don't keep walking around in the wilderness you know there's none of us in this room that are righteous the only righteousness that you and I have is what's been given to us through Jesus Christ and his bloody death on the cross and his incredible resurrection from the grave three days later I love Charles Spurgeon and I conclude with this. He said, if any man thinks ill of you, and I will guarantee you, all of us, if you're in any type of leadership position, it's going to happen. If any man thinks ill of you, do not be angry with him, for you are worse than he thinks you to be. Because we are. We feel as if we get by with things with one another, but we don't get by with it with God. So the next time you want to get on your high and mighty horse and be ill and think that person shouldn't, just know that you're far worse than they ever thought you were. That'll keep us humble. That'll keep us broken and spilled out. And just a few minutes ago, we sang Just As I Am. And that beautiful arrangement that says, For the broken, you can become mended. There's broken people in Athens, Alabama. There's broken people here today. There's people here today harboring stuff inside of them, and it's poisonous. Their their prayers are not being heard and answered about other areas because they're keeping this area under wraps. Today, be liberated. On this first Sunday of the new year, get set free. Get set free.